What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. When Cheryl, my wife, and, and I and our two sons, David and Joseph, we did a business trip. You know, I told them, hey, you're going to see Europe. They didn't see Europe. They just saw business places. But anyway, for eight weeks, we traveled all around Europe. And, and, and so on this particular night, we arrived in Milan at 9 p.m. In, in November. Now, I got to tell you, that part there, the Piemonte part there of Italy and the northern part, I don't know what it is. It just attracts all the fog in the world. And you know, and this was a typical, you know, November in Milan at night. It was socked in with fog. And of course, in my infinite wisdom, I decided to save money and rent the tiniest car they had, which was the Ford Escort, you know. So there we were all there, jam-packed into this tiny car, and we could I could see nothing. None of us could see anything out of the window. There were no signs. You know how I was driving? I was having my head out the window. I was looking at the white line, and I just I was hoping somehow the white line was going to all of a sudden take us to the hotel. I didn't know, you know. But it was kind of like being in Disneyland, one of those Disneyland rides where it's all dark, and all of a sudden you turn around. It's like whoa! And all of a sudden I had made some turn, and it was spooky. There was this this lady, a poor, distressed old lady, standing on the side of the road, and she was motioning us to stop and help her. And Cheryl says, stop and help her. <laughs> I thought, stop and help her. We need help. You know? <laughs> but I stopped. And uh, okay, Joe, uh, get over there and sit on David's lap. <laughs> this lady's going to squeeze into the back seat. Now, I got to tell you about this lady. This is, not, this is not a lady that would be a poster child for Weight Watchers. This is, this is a rather large Italian grandma that sampled a lot of the pasta that she was serving. So she's sitting in the back seat, and, and she says to us that, you know, she needed to get to downtown Milan. <laughs> I thought, great, here we are lost. We're trying to get to Milano Dewey, which is on the west part of Milan, and now we've taken on this problem of trying to get this lady to downtown Milan. And so we drove for a little while, and then all of a sudden, we made this turn, and then there was this bus, like right in front of us, and it has marked on it Milan. 
So, <laughs> oh, great. You know, she says, stop, you know, get on those. So she gets on the bus. Okay, wonderful. So she leaves. And then I was so discouraged. I mean, I thought, now what? You know? And so I stopped the car and I got out of the car and I'm looking at this sign. I have to go by practically put my nose on the sign, you know, to see it completely bewildered, not knowing anything. I was like looking at hieroglyphics. And what happened? A certain man drives up. He stops. He gets out of his car. He spoke English. And he gave us perfect directions to our hotel. Turns out we were like two blocks away. It was unbelievable. What happened? Verse 15 happened to me. Looking at that sign, I was like Joseph wandering in the field, and a certain man found me and asked me, what seekest thou? You know? It also reminds me of the time when, when uh, uh, this certain man, when I, I'd finished my day, my work day, at, I was working in Germany at Beringwerke in Marburg, Germany, and I was tired, and it was, again, it was cold and cloudy. Oh, Germany, boy, when it gets cold and cloudy, there's nothing like it. It was, uh, And I just wanted to get back to the hotel in Frankfurt and to the pillow. You know? and, so, and, and whenever I go to, now, I got to tell you, that whenever I have gone to Germany, I don't know, it's an imagination problem I have, I just struggle with fear. I've always had this problem in Germany. I'd catch myself just kind of daydreaming, looking at buildings and the people and going back and the six million Jews that were murdered. And I had the nightmares when I slept in Germany. And I'd, I would look at buildings and imagine these big swastika signs, you know, down the building, the flags, the and the drape, and the, and the hotel lobbies, and the people, you know, would, I'd close my eyes, and I'd be afraid that I'd open them, I'd see swastikas, you know, and it's always been what I struggled with in Germany, and so anyway, I got on this train in Marburg, and it was going through Gießen, and then it was going to go to Frankfurt. Marburg and Gießen are university towns, university cities, so the train was packed with students. They were all over. They were standing in the aisles, everything, and I was going cabin to cabin, and I found this cabin of students, and there was one seat free. So I thought, oh, great. So I went in, I sat down, and, you know, I'm struggling with the thoughts, you know, are these the grandchildren of the Nazis, you know? And, you know, Okay, I'll bring them the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be saved, and that'll be their redemption. So I started to tell them, because they spoke English, I saw the, saw the students, the gospel, and they gave me the most vicious looks and declared to me that there is no God, and I was a fool to believe in God. And then they all got off in Gießen, and I was furious. And I started to hate all the Germans again. And I was telling God, you know, there's no hope for any Germans, and you might as well just scorch Germany because all their crimes, and none of them could be saved. And, and I was far from God. I was, I was wandering in the field. And I was so full of hate and a desire for revenge against the Germans, I saw them all as unsavable. And I had my arms folded like this, you know, like a judge, you know, sitting there. And I was praying, judge them all, Lord. And, and at that point, the door opened on the train compartment, and an old couple walked in and sat down. And I thought, mm, old enough to have lived during the Nazis, Here's the, here they are. And so I started to glare at them, at the couple, and pray for God to judge them for their involvement in killing six million people. And then the old man leaned over to me and with the most tender voice asked me, do you know the story of how God loved man and sent his son to earth? I couldn't believe my ears. So I said, no, I do not. <laughs> he looked right at me with those blue eyes 
and started to tell me the gospel of how God saw man in his sin and he loved man and he didn't want man to go to hell and he sent his son to die for his sins. And when he got to the part of God sending his son for man to die for his sins, he started crying. And the tears were falling on the ground and on his, his pants. I couldn't believe it. And that broke me down, you know, and I, I told him I was a believer. And then the train pulled into Frankfurt, and, and I had to get off the train. I was, I said there in the trade platform, I was stunned. And I looked for a quiet corner. I went over there, and I told God, I don't know who that man was. I don't know if he was an angel or a man or what. But uh, I told God, I'm, I'm very sorry that you had to do that. I'm sorry you had to do that to straighten me out. And I made a vow, I'm never going to write off any people again. What happened that evening? I was wondering, God sent a certain man to help. You know, this verse about the certain man is very great encouragement also for parents, the parents, and showing the beauty of waiting on God for help. There was Joseph. He was the son of Jacob. He's wandering in the field. Jacob knew that Jacob, if Jacob had known that he was wandering in the field, Jacob would have helped him, but his father didn't know that he needed help, and so he couldn't help him, but God knew. And so God helped him. It reminds me of a missionary mother who spoke at Mission Valley Chapel about 35 years ago. And she was on the mission field, and she, she raised her children on the mission field, and she felt they were very safe as long as they were with her. But on this trip back to the States, she had to leave her children here in the States so they continue their education. And she was, she was worried for their safety. And she couldn't sleep at night. She was worried. And then God gave her a verse that just brought perfect peace and assurance. And the verse is in Proverbs 14.26, Proverbs 14.26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. And from that verse, she heard the Lord say to her, you follow me, I'll give you a strong confidence, and I will take care of the safety of your children, because they'll always have a place of refuge. Now, the sixth beautiful color that we see in, in Joseph's inward character coat is the beauty of loving the lost individually. You know, we see this in response to the question. The certain man comes to him and says, what seekest thou in verse 15, the man? And that certain man saw he was seeking. He saw he was looking for something. And what does it look like when you're looking for something that you lost? You know how you look? You know, you look anxious, you look certain, you look inquisitive, you know, you don't want to miss anything. You, there's a tension about it all. You know how you, you know, you know how you look when you lose your cell phone? You know, <laughs> you know, there's this concerned look on your face. You're distracted with it. You know, my where's my cell phone? You know, there's a look of anxiety, there's pain, there's the look of diligence. You're trying to retrace your, your you know, you you got this look of I have to find my cell phone, you got this look of a pain till I find, you know, my cell phone, you know, and, and there's this look of, I'm not going to give up till I find on the face. And that's the look on Joseph's face. And that certain man read that look and he knew that he was seeking. And that's the look that Joseph had on his face. That's the same look that the Lord Jesus had on his face. As he said, his whole mission in life was Luke 10, 10, Luke 10, 10, Luke 19.10, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's him he's talking about. I mean, he had this look of concern on his face. What's going to happen to the lost? If they die in their sins, they go to hell. He has this look of anxiety and pain on his face. He thought, a soul slipping into hell, I can't stand it. 
There's a look of diligence on his face. He gives himself to find the loss before it's too late. You know, he's got, he's got the look of I have to find the loss on his face. He's got the look on pain till I find. You know, I'm not gonna give up until I find the lost. Everyone saw this on, on the Savior's face, and the, and, the, and the certain man was looking at Joseph's face and looking for his brothers, and that look should be on our faces. And as we seek to bring the gospel to the lost, it's the look of an evangelist. It's the look of loving the lost individually. You know, two, two, two days ago, we had a nephrology conference in Takati, and we had 600 doctors and nurses and nephrologists and from, they came from all over, down to Chiapas and everywhere. And I, I, I looked at the people and I thought, I don't know if they're gonna go to a church and hear the gospel. I really don't. And I thought, they've come to this church. They called it a nephrology conference. It's a new church to hear the gospel. I gotta explain to them. And I was just thinking about how I know they, they don't think, they don't know they're in darkness they don't know they're in darkness. They're in darkness without the Lord, but they don't know they're in darkness. And you really, you don't know you're in darkness until you're in the light. And then, you know, oh, I was in darkness, you know, before you just operate, you know, well, there is no God and, and, and you know, you're operating on those bases there, but you don't know. And so it was a tension in me. And I thought, how can I make this point to them of what it's like? So have a look, Matt, can you make it happen? You see, until I was 19, before I was, before I was 19. En mi vida, antes de que tuviera 19 años. I operated in life alone. Yo operaba en la vida por mí mismo. In other words, if you said to me, there is a God, there is God. En otras palabras, si me hubieran dicho, hay un Dios. If you said to me, that I could be friends with God. Si me hubieran dicho que yo podía ser amigo de Dios. I said, absurd. Yo decía, eso es absurdo. I said, there is no God. Yo decía que no, ex, Dios no existía. I said, we're all here because of somehow evolution. Yo decía, todos estamos aquí debido quizás a la evolución. I said, maybe there's God, but he's not a friend of mine. Y también decía, bueno, quizás sí hay Dios, pero no es mi amigo. And this philosophy shaded all my understanding in life. Así que esta filosofía oscurecía todo mi entendimiento en la vida. I thought I understood. Yo creí que entendía. I did not realize that inside of me, Yo no que de mí, the lights were out. Las luces estaban apagadas. The lights went out in the auditorium. But I did feel at that time Pero sentí en ese tiempo, extreme guilt, me sentí ayudado, extreme shame, sanado, extreme dirtiness. Me sentía sucio. And so because of that feeling, I reached out. Y debido a ese sentimiento, yo pedí to God that I didn't know existed. A un Dios que yo no sabía que existía. And I remember my first prayer. Y recuerdo mi primera oración. It was, 
oh God, if there is a God, help me. Dije, oh Dios mío, si es que existes, ayúdame. And I received the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. Y recibí al Señor Jesucristo, quien me salvó. I didn't know if he heard me. I, no sabía que me podía ayudar. I didn't know if there was anybody there to hear me. No sabía si había alguien que me pudiera escuchar. But the best I could, I reached out to him. Pero de la manera que pude, yo le llamé. And when I did, y cuando lo hice, and prayed for him to forgive me for my sins, y le pedí que me perdonara mis pecados, and took the offering of him on a cross for my sins, y fui a la cruz por, porque supe que fue a la cruz por mis pecados. It was as though God reached into me. Fue como que Dios hubiera llegado a mí. And turn the lights on. Y encendió las luces de nuevo. <laughs> That's what happened. Eso es lo que me pasó. Now, why did I do that? Why did I go through all those antics and the drama and everything? Because there was a tension. And I wanted to drive home the point of darkness and light. And that's the heart of an evangelist that we see in Paul. You know, Paul didn't just witness to the Jewish people. Paul loved his Jewish people. Paul didn't just say, yeah, you know, they're terrible. They dog my tracks. They oppose everything I do. They try to undo everything that I do. They tried many times to kill me, so go ahead, cast them off. That's fine with me. No, Paul said in Romans 9.1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren and my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And in Romans 10.1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. When he was, taught, when he was speaking about some in Philippians 3.18, he wrote like this, Philippians 3.18, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, he's crying as he's telling them that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Acts 13.26, he says, men and brethren, he's speaking to the Jewish people, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of the salvation sent. And we see this in the heart of Moses. Moses didn't just do his job for Israel. Moses loved Israel. He didn't just say, you know, they really, Lord, they give me a pretty hard time. They wanted to stone me a couple of times. Okay, so you go ahead, you wipe them out, you start all over with me again, that's okay. No, when he's in, in this whole passage in Exodus 32 I'm referring to, where God says, step aside, they're a stiff-necked people, uh, let, me, let me really get, get, pour out all the wrath on them, I'll start all over again with you. It says, Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth your wrath wax hot against thy people which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt? Wherefore should the Egyptians say, speak and say, for mischief he brought them out. Turn from thy fierce wrath. Repent. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and, and Israel, thy servants, and so forth. In Exodus 32, 32, Exodus 32, 32, he said, yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, 
bought me, he's talking about himself, Moses, bought me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. That's the heart of an evangelist who loves the lost individually. That was what Samuel had for Saul. I mean, Samuel didn't just do his job and say, Samuel loves Saul. Samuel just didn't say, well, he turned out bad. He, turned, he started off good, but you know, he became proud and arrogant and he didn't obey. And so I agree, replace him. No. First Samuel 15, 11, it, it says there, when God said he's gonna replace him, it says, it grieved Samuel, he cried unto the Lord all night. And then in 1 Samuel 15, 35, 1 Samuel 15, 35, it says, and Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented. He made Saul king over Israel. 1 Samuel 16, 1, the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over? You know, this spirit of loving, this was, of course, in the heart of the Lord Jesus, supremely. He didn't just deliver the message to Israel. I mean, how do you think he stood? He stood in front of Israel in Matthew 23, 37, 23, 37. You think he just said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. There you go again, killing the prophets, stoning those that sent to you. How often I would have gathered you as a hen gathered the chicken under her wings, but you wouldn't do it. No, that's not the way it was. It says in Luke 19, 41, Luke 19, 41, when he was come near, he beheld the city, he wept over it, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from their eyes. We see this in King David. King David was brokenhearted for the lost. He said in Psalm 119, 136, 119, 136, rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. You know, we see this in Jeremiah. Of course, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, the brokenhearted prophet, it says, Lamentations. Who, who writes a book called Lamentations? He writes that. Lamentations 348, 348. Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the other of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and seetheth not without any intermission. And God says, those who are gonna rejoice when Israel is saved in, in Isaiah 66, 10, Isaiah 66, 10, rejoice ye with Jerusalem and be glad with her. All ye that love her, Jerusalem, rejoice with her, all ye that mourn for her. See, the all ye that love her are the all ye that mourn for her. Who loves Israel? Those who mourn for Israel. How about it if we all signed up tonight, ministry, we'll pass the, we'll pass the clipboard around for the ministry of mourning and crying. <laughs> and, we, and we see this in Esther, Esther. Esther, she was very safely taken care of. She was the queen. She had no problems for herself. But you know what she said in Esther 8.6? She said, how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? How can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? See, that's the love for the lost individually. When we do that, our prayers, our witness are much more effective. So what we've seen today, Outwardly, Joseph wore a coat of many beautiful colors. But inwardly, Joseph wore a character coat of many beautiful colors. And we've seen six of them. Six beauties in the character of Joseph when he went to his lost brothers. And those are the six beauties that God wants us to wear on, as our inward character coat as we bring the gospel to the lost. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Joseph 
Lord, thank you for all these things we've seen in him supremely being to us a teaching type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to learn from him in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.